This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. I'm honestly fixing my hair because Joe, I love you, but <laughs> she put a video on our Instagram today. Oh no, I saw it. It, it was adorable. <laughs> it was no. ridiculously cute. Okay, so do you guys remember each other from way back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do totally. It's been a while for it's been sure. Like it's probably twenty been years. Good, twenty yeah. years. High school. Yeah, yeah. Julia is probably my oldest friend. Like we've been friends since we were what six? Yeah, both that. I am super excited to have her here. A little bit scared. And Joe, Joe came into the mix when we were about twelve or thirteen. And you got to you met Julia through me a couple times. We hung out or right? Yeah. So Julia, we've gone to dinner a few times and tried to like Enneagram her as we do. And uh, I think the last time we chatted, we kind of came to six because Julia, you've been sort of watching Enneagram for the last couple of years, right? Like and kind of digging in a little bit. Really only because of you. You are the absolute catalyst. I'm a huge podcast nerd. And so a couple of the podcasts that I was listening to did talk about the Enneagram. So I was I like, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't bother to take a test. I didn't bother to like, really, you know, look that deep into it until you guys started the podcast. Originally, I thought I was a nine, I had done like kind of like the surfacey, like the like the, the short, small tests, right. And it, it said nine. And to me, that kind of that made sense. And then I spoke with Erin. And she was like, mm, okay, like, but maybe think about taking like a longer one and see what happens. And sure enough, I took a few of the longer ones. And it turned out that six kept coming back. That's I also six. don't see you as a person who's like afraid of conflict. I do. But only when I am when I'm comfortable with the person. Like if I'm out in public, I would prefer not to have any conflict. And my, I feel like my husband might be an eight. And he just he does not care. If it's a stranger, he doesn't care. Like he will just say the thing. And I'm cringing, right? But if it is with somebody that I know, and that I trust and that I feel safe in an environment, I don't have a problem with debate and conflict and expressing my opinion on something because I do have strong opinions and I've always had strong opinions, but like to just go to a random stranger and be like, you know, why are you cutting me, cutting me off in line or something like that, that I would just, oh, no, no, no. Like, let's just let it pass. Doesn't really explain sixes because the, the swing from phobic to counterphobic makes them either wildly aggressive and confrontational or not. So that's not the ultimate way to figure it out. My brother, Daniel, oh, a few of the sixes I know, they like get into fights for fun. <laughs> so I, I could see the appeal to that, like definitely. But I would prefer like, and this is why I thought like the nine kind of made more sense to me a little bit, right? Where it was like, I would prefer that everybody just be happy and like get along. I don't love that uncomfortableness of conflict, but I do enjoy a healthy debate. Like I won't shy away from that. Do you have a panel in your head of people you've, you trust and you like, you run, uh, not even in the natural, like you're not going to them necessarily physically and saying, what do you think of this? But in your head, you're going, what would Aaron think about this? What would my dad think about this? And they each serve a different function. So you'll go to this person for this and this person for that. And it helps you feel more uh, secure about your decision. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very, very six. 
But I also feel like I'm an open book too, right? Like, so I will like just randomly tell a story or ask an opinion of some random person that I don't even know that well, because I love people and I love conversation and like hearing what they think about something. But if it's a major decision, like I I lost my job in the summertime and that was super stressful, obviously. And so it was really like my dad was the person that I was going to, to sort of, you know, talk that through because I, I found like my husband would get a little bit again, as I think he's innate, he would get very like, well, this is what you need to do. This is the plan. And you need to go in there and you need to like, don't be afraid to say this and say that. And, you know, and, and it got overwhelming for me because I'm like, well, I'm not just going to march in and just lay out my demands. I did eventually, but in my own, (laughs) my own little way with my dad's input, because he was somebody that I trusted that would give me what I felt was like a little bit more, you know, I guess. That exact interaction has happened between Derek and I in exactly that way. Mm. Yeah. Where I am like jumping with the game plan and he's like, hold on a minute. I need to do this my way. I'll get there, but I can't do it that way. I need to Mm -hmm. do my process and bounce this off people I trust first. Totally. And then I'll still do it my way. I really like to do things my own way as well. Like it's like we joke all the time. I think Aaron, you and I talked about it, but it's like, because my husband's older than me, I'll come to some epiphany and I'll, you know, say it. And he'll be like, dude, I said that to you five years ago. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I had to come to it. It had to be something that in my own time, in my own way. I think this is a really good representation of the eight. I think you and Kevin are a very good representation of six and eight. Except he has no interest. I'm like, and an eight would say exactly what you just said. And he's like, mm. he's like, I say what I am. No one else exactly, can. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't put me in the box. You can have a very different way of manifesting this, but either way you think about authority a lot. So structures, institutions, people who kind of lay the foundations for society. So it's either right. going to be aligned with them because it just feels secure to do that. Or like my brother, you want to like burn everything down. (laughs) You're like, basically you become anti-establishment or whatever. But both of those things are six. Mm -hmm. Yep. That makes sense. And like, there are things that I can, you know, have an opinion about and just sort of just let it, you know, I I don't feel like I need to burn it down. I can just, you know, and, and my opinion will evolve and change like anybody else's. But if there's something that I really, I'm like, that is the thing, then yep. I'll burn. I, I would love to burn it all down. It's just there's not enough time in the day. The girls go to work. <laughs> That's so funny. We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are, a place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. I think that's why I have such a fondness with Julia. Like I feel so like it's like we're kids and we're picking up where we left off, but it feels comfortable. Like my husband, like it's that safe, comfortable place for me where I, where I land with someone who never Mm -hmm. made me feel unsafe or unsteady or you, you always, I think when we were younger, you probably brought the like footing under whatever carousel I was turning, right? Like you were grounded. And I just, I think I I loved that. I loved feeling secure as a kid in a place where you were always up for everything, but I always knew that steadiness was there. What I appreciated in you and still do is that you would help me push my safety 
zone or whatever I'm like because I I would prefer not to a lot of the time right like I just like to stay in my little like where, where I'm comfortable in my comfort zone and you always were like dude like we gotta do this let's try this let's do this you know we should go talk to that person or we should go and I think that really did help me as much as I might have been stable, you, t- I looked to you for a lot of that and a lot of just like, let's grow, let's move out of our comfort zone and do something fun and interesting that I probably wouldn't have done. So it's definitely a, it's a two way street. And then your parents, I think were like, mm. we have this great obedient child. Why yeah. do you have to bring this girl in all the time and push you? <laughs> Outside of our comfort zone, because our parents were also very different, right? My parents were a lot less reserved, I think, than your parents. Like my parents Mm. were pretty happy to let us kind of be free. And so when I tried to bring you into that space, I think there was a lot of fear. A lot of worry. Yeah. And I mean, now as an adult, I can understand where that came from for my parents. Now that I know a little bit more about their background, because you don't know that stuff, right? Like you don't know your parents' childhood and whatever traumas or, or whatever they've been through. And so now I can see that. But my mom's biggest tagline when I was a kid and growing up was like, well, are they a good influence? <laughs> it was always the influence. But at one point, I remember saying to her, well, has it ever occurred to you that I might be an influence as well? Right? You don't need to worry so much because I'm pretty, I've always been pretty confident in who I am as a person and my decisions. And like you said, I would be up for anything, but I wasn't going to do anything that I felt like was going to jeopardize my safety or, you know, something illegal or whatever. Like, I don't think I drank until I was, well, actually, a few people might say no, that's not the case. Like, honestly, sat and had a glass of wine until I was like the legal age of things, right? Like, I was still pretty, I still kind of followed the rules uh, until I didn't. And then (laughs) once I got that long leash, once I realized the leash wasn't quite so tight, then, you know. I think, Julia, you were quite, I'm going to say, healthy in your number. Because Mm -hmm. I think you could be very reactive, but we have, and I think there's a lot of heavy eight in there. Like, you are super willing. Like, you and I disagree on a lot of fundamental life stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have, and we have so much, both of us have a ton of space for each other in that, right? Like, we can meet and discuss and talk about all our stuff and have so much respect for each other. And never necessarily come to the to the other side. Reactivity is a ball of fire burning in your chest in response to something. It doesn't necessarily mean that that comes out. And it doesn't mean that it lasts very long. It's just mm. this big fiery thing that happens inside you. And usually, you know, in the case of my brand of reactivity, it just happens really fast. Like I let it out. And even if I don't, people totally know what's happening. <laughs> and then I get over it. I just kind of had to let it out just hot and fast, you know, I do find that it takes me a while to get to that point, that reactive point. It takes a lot for me to get to that point. When I do, you're right. Yeah. Everybody needs to clear the room because I'm gonna I'm about to lose it. But it takes a while for me to get to that. Like it's not it's not an instant. I think that's been an evolution for me is learning to find my voice and say what I feel. I'm not really reactive on things. And and actually, when we have those discussions, it, it I come away feeling like I can see another perspective better. And I understand it more. And it makes me love her even more because I'm seeing, you know, a fuller version of her on whatever topic we're talking about. And I love those conversations. There's very few people that I feel safe enough to have those conversations with. 
on a regular basis, like very few to go as deep as I do with Erin. And that's because, I mean, I just, I feel very secure and loved by her. And I know that there's not really much that I can do that's going to make her uh, turn and run in the other direction. She'll challenge me and she'll have those conversations, but uh, she's not going to tell me I'm a piece of garbage or anything, right? Where there is that fear sometimes with other people, for sure. So our truth tellers said they like felt deeply compelled to verbalize, not to keep it internalized, but to actually vocalize it externally. And you do right on Instagram. Like sometimes you really push yourself out there on Instagram and Mm. put up, you got a lot of people in your circle who are going to disagree with what you post and you do it anyway, which I kind of love. I also super censor. It's so interesting because like in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is tame. Like I'm being tame (laughs) in this. Again, I feel like I just don't really want to get into a conflict. I don't want to get into a DM war. I don't want to, that is not interesting to me. But I also love just, you know, here's my truth. And I understand it's not everybody's, but I I do like having my perspective known and out there. Do you like to poke the bear sometimes? (laughs) Totally. My husband would say I do it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I do love to poke the bear. It's kind of fun, for sure. And lots of sarcasm. Oh, yeah. I've had some friends that like they do not catch on to the sarcasm at all. And like, I'm like, are you okay? Like, I'm totally joking. <laughs> like, are we good? <laughs> Unhealthy sixes do it in an underhanded mm. way that's like mean, mm, as opposed so- to sort of that like jokey, like Derek does it, my husband. It's banter, right? It's affection. We've talked about this on the Enneagram, Enneagram 8 podcast this- before. Where, like- because Dave actually gets like very direct and straight laced with people he doesn't know it's the people he does know he really gives it yeah and i think we always matched that as kids like we could be Mm -hmm. silly together in that way that other people maybe didn't understand sometimes and it was like an easy language between us that was comfortable yeah 100 percent. like i don't remember us really having conflict as kids it was easy it was very easy and i don't remember any conflicts either to be honest i think maybe the only thing would be is if there was outside influences there was one time i don't know if you remember this maybe you do but you guys had left the church and then you came back and it was really clicky like it was like oh aaron's back and you know we formed this new click she's gonna come back in and that's gonna change the dynamic best friends in 24 more hours it just was yes but i remember like having this oh but what are those girls gonna think you know if i'm talking to Aaron? like but there wasn't really conflict i think it was just part of growing up and we were nine we were nine bless our little nine-year-old hearts what are the biggest differences that you see between you and the eights in your life you know i again i would say like that comfort of just being able to just be super direct I can do that, but I need to tap into that. I need to be mentally prepared. I need to, you know, again, be with safe people most of the time or behind a screen where I'm just going to not like interact with people, uh, you know, if it gets too uncomfortable. So I would say that's probably one of the major things. I don't know if this is an eight thing or if this is just the people in my life that are eights, but I find like the risk taking is not like an issue. (laughs) Whereas I will be like, I need to like, see what the potential outcome is. And if if, if I feel like it's safe, or whatever, I'm not going to be harmed, people aren't going to be harmed. That's fine. I'll go with it with a little bit of trepidation. But I find like, when we were kids, 
like I like I said, Aaron was just up for anything. Like she just she would just be up for anything, regardless of what the risk might be or my perceived risk would be. And same with Kevin. Like he's he'll just go about life. You know, as a kid, he was super. I don't know. Reckless is the right word. I don't know if he would want me to say that, but like you know, some of the stories, I'm like, you did what? Like I would have never. I really love a rule. I love a rule. <laughs> I I do. I really just love, I love like, this is what's expected. I love knowing what an expectation is. If I don't know an expectation, even in my job, that makes me wildly uncomfortable. I feel like sometimes with some of the eights that I know, it's just like, well, this is what you're, this is what it is. <laughs> like, take it or leave it. Those things are probably some of the bigger differences. But I, again, like I said, it does push me out of my comfort zone. And I don't think I would be the person that I am without, obviously, my partner is a big one, but also Aaron's influence just growing up. Yeah, we're not very good about rules. Yeah. No, rules, rules suck for you guys. And I'm like, love a rule. And I hate to disappoint. I do not want to disappoint anybody. Like if my mom said to me when I was a kid, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Oh, like that would just send me into a spiral. I'd rather someone be mad at me, to be quite honest, than disappointed. Yeah, I think I said this before, but one of my favorite moments is I used to tell Derek, you have a lot of rules. And he would say to me, no, I don't. And then we went on a ski, like we started to get into skiing and we started staying with these families. And one of the dads one day made a chirp at Derek and he's like, hey, Mr. Rules. And I just fell on the floor <laughs> laughing. I was like, I told you. <laughs> I think too, like for you guys, the rules give you the the safety net everywhere, right? You know what to expect, what's what's required of you. And we just, we don't even consider it. We care what we think. So <laughs> I can care later what other people think, but it, I don't have a radar or I'm not penetrated till it's over and I've done what I wanted. And then it, I might like have a thing where I'm like, oh, oh, that girl reacted like that. Maybe I really did push a little too hard in that moment. But in the moment, I have no idea I'm doing that. What do the eights in your life get wrong in relationship with you? I think that there can be a tendency for me to sometimes feel a little bit, like just steamrolled a little bit. I think sometimes to keep the peace, I'll just allow, I'll just, I'll just let it go, right? Just let it, whatever he, he wants to do and wherever he wants, like it's, it's fine until I get to a point where I'm like, absolutely not like this is my boundary. But a lot of that I think is just, he's not trying to steamroll me. He's just vocalizing and I'm maybe not as good as I could be in that because my tendency is to just want to, I, I just, I would prefer not m major conflict. So whatever's easier. And I'm an easygoing person, I think, right, Aaron? Like I'm not, but you like just hit something on the head mm -hmm. that I think is a huge thing with sixes and eights. We just think you're on the same page and you guys are thinking, yeah. I don't really want this and I'm not super comfortable here, but I'm just going to keep going and going. Yeah. And then it's like, wham. And the eights are like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> totally. Because we were going along just fine. Mm -hmm. You didn't want to come. You should have said you don't want to come. And my husband will say, well, I didn't want to disappoint you. And I was fine up until now. And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that's not fair to go from zero to 60 when you haven't let me in at two or three or four or 10 or 20 or 30. 100. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he needs to be a mind reader at certain points. And that's not, it is not fair. You're right. And it's, I need to vocalize. But part of it is our reaction to mm. when you do vocalize is not always what you guys need. Therefore, like you said, it's easier not to. Yep. So it's almost like we need to be saying along the way, like, 
do you want to do this? Is this what you would prefer to do? Do you feel good about this? Like we almost have to ask strategic questions. Yeah. And I've started doing that in my relationship with him as well, where I'm asking him, like checking in with him, because I think we've all been married 900 years collectively, the three of us. So it's like, you get into just you just get into that flow, right? And, and you forget your day to day life, and you forget to check in with each other. And I mean, that's probably a universal issue. But especially when you're talking about sixes and eights, where it's that like one person is full steam ahead, and the other one's like, well, just go with the flow until I lose my mind on something or someone. I have sixes that I would identify as the counterphobic attack dogs. I have a set of those. And then I have a set of the phobic ones who fall in line and do what you just said. So Mm. they probably are more like you, Julia, because Mm. um, they do that quiet aligning with me because they trust me like I'm their person, but they won't be agreeing. And I'll find out usually quite painfully that they were not okay with it. And then it's, it's my fault somehow. And then I feel really betrayed, deeply betrayed because all, all I needed them to say is what they needed. And I would have given it to them. Whereas the other, the attack dog sixes, it's F you from the get go. They go make a point of being contrary just for fun. It takes me a while to get them to align because they, they're so habitually eager to disagree with me. <laughs> so I find the variety of six very fascinating. It's very diverse. Feels so like far. it. Yeah. Do you have other power struggles defining your marriage? You know, little things. I would prefer to throw all the things out. Items. I don't feel like I need to hold on to something for a sentimental value or whatever. Like it's out the door. And I don't know if this is an eight thing or not, but he sure loves to have stuff. The power struggle of um, the little guys that got to come in the house and the figurines and that I allow like, you know, there's your little corner, you put them all in there and you can do what you will. (laughs) Him just going all in on something that he's passionate about. Oh, 100%. He loves it. And so he'll get like hyper focused on it. Yeah. If his passion was like Scandinavian Zen, then you would be only in a white home with only white furniture and right. No, yeah, you're right. Yes, yeah. I think that's exactly what it is. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a passion. A passion for figurines. <laughs> yeah, little guys. That's what we call them. Is it from um, movie series or comics? Or oh, things? it's it's yeah, yeah. It's like Marvel oh. and like you know those. Yeah, yeah. we interviewed a eight. Seven two, and she, gosh, she went to all the Comic Con like things, and mm-hmm. she do full on outfits with reenactments. Yeah, so like whatever we're into, we're just in a thousand percent. So. Okay, well that explains it. Too bad he wasn't Scandinavian Zen, right? <laughs> right, or had a passion for like something that would make me like you know a, a millionaire or billionaire. <laughs> that would be fantastic too, but no. We do value and appreciate the passion, but if it could get taken down a notch, really ideal. Just, just a notch. Like I'm not asking for it to get totally wiped out. I just mean like you know. I can't wait One to level. direct this question on this because he's <laughs> going to say exactly that. It didn't occur to me like the passion and the and the guys didn't make a connection to me until you said it, and then I looked at what I 
wrote for this and I literally put passion. And so it all kind of makes sense. Do you think what's going on inside of you is that the passion feels not containable and too big? And it really pushes against your sixth desire for that kind of safety and moderate, you know, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, that's what mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it's it like, feels a little too out of control. There is no end to it. So it's true. The little guys coming in your house. <laughs> feels a little bit wild, a little bit chaotic. And I just, I like the stability and, and the safeness and the security, you know, so that makes that resonates 100% for sure. I'm guessing that you're a big question asker, just for the sake of your own clarity. Yes. Yeah. So I always call sixes the question askers. It's like my favorite thing about you. And then the thing I struggle with, because sometimes we just want to move really fast in the direction we were going. And you guys slow us down with the questions. Erin, I ask so many questions, right? <laughs> when I'm trying to like get, I do. I, But it's also, I just really find people super interesting. I legitimately want to know. I'm not just asking to be annoying. It's like I'm asking because I really am interested and I'm interested in people's responses and why they've come to that conclusion. And yeah, it's super fascinating. You want to I understand love a good all question. the things, but you're interested in humans. So you want us to understand all the things about the humans, right? Well, this is why I literally, I, this is embarrassing, but I listened to 700 podcasts. It's, not, it's like literally not a joke. I do. And, and it's because I'm constantly wanting to know. I want to know all the things in all the realms. You know, let's not just say that if I think something's BS, I'm just going to keep listening and asking the question. But man, I just find people so interesting. You like to be one-on-one and go really deep, right? Mm, yeah, totally. So I think some of that wanting to dig and dig, some of it's the questions and the understanding. And then the other part of it is I think you just got sexual up there. Yeah, we were talking last time, Aaron, about like the head and the body where you feel things. And you you had said, if something doesn't feel right in your body, that's like how you know. And I am so here in my head. Like, it needs to make it make sense. I need to have it make sense. And I feel like Kevin is also very much like he feels it in his body, million percent. Whereas I'm just like, I need to understand that in my brain. My body doesn't react. Definitely. It's more of a mental head thing for me. Do you find with you, when something comes at you, you're like, pause, mm-hmm. I need to yeah. think this through. Yep. So my mine and Derek's conflict is he's like, well, t- why do you feel that way? Like, I don't know. Mm. I, I mm. just don't. I don't know. I just mm. know. I know what I know I feel. It is what it is. And he's like, okay, like I can support you, but I need to know like what's going on. Like, what are you thinking? Like what has led you to this decision? And I'm like, you don't been married to me long enough. Nothing. <laughs> feel like I, my whole body is like on fire. And it's like, no, I need to work through that in my brain and hit the steps and think it all through. And I also being of the reactive, like uh, for me, I don't like a split reaction that feels unsafe, uncomfortable. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want because to be it's able to thought out. Yeah. It doesn't have groundwork around it. That is yeah. the same with Derek. Like I need to be pragmatic. It needs to make sense. So one of the things that's been really helpful for Derek and I in those moments is that now he'll say those, he still asks the questions, but now I can say to him, I need you to stop asking questions because I don't know the answer. Like give me a mm-hmm. couple days and I will know in a few days and I'll come back to you and we can further this conversation. But until my head catches up with my body, like I, I just need some time. And we just allow space for that now, which he didn't understand about me before. And he used to push and push. And it makes me feel like a caged animal, right? So then I get slashy and like, leave me alone. 
Another piece that we've identified as a 6-8 dynamic is you are always tracking inconsistencies. So you're very aware that someone said this and it doesn't line up with this other thing they said. It's part of your scanning for danger, lies, all the things. Mm -hmm. And eights exaggerate constantly. We basically were speaking out of our passion rather than reality. Does he overinflate his stories? Does he overstate things? And did that ever feel unsafe to you? Yeah, I think when he's retelling like an incident at work or something with me, he'll be very passionate about it and very upset about it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, is this how you were with them? Like, that's my immediate, right? Like, I'm like, what do you mean, dude? You can't. And then he's like, well, obviously I didn't do that. Like, I'm talking to you. It, It obviously depends on where he is and who he's speaking with. But with me, sometimes I think like he's like that with everybody. And then I get cringy and I'm like, oh no, but he's not. Like he's perfectly like lovely and normal out in the world. But like, unless he sees an injustice. And then there's this lady that works at the Tim Hortons and going every day. And he witnessed a moment where she, he felt that she was being prejudiced against someone. He just was like, this is not okay. And now that lady just gives him like cold shoulder every time he goes in there. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep going to her cash and I'm going to keep smiling and I keep doing the thing. Meanwhile, I'm like, I would see the injustice that would peeve me off. Would I call it out in front of everybody in public? Probably not. It would just like annoy me and I might get riled up later to someone else. And, you know, when I'm retelling the story, but no, he just was like, nope, not okay. And I'm going to tell you. And then, you know, he tells me the story and I'm like, oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, I think the way he tells me a story is different than definitely a little bit more flowery and exaggerated in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're probably good at um, sniffing out lies just in general. Oh, yeah. If something's sus. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm on it. If something's not adding up. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, I might call someone out on it if it keeps, you know, but again, it needs to be somebody that I'm comfortable with. A lot of sixes are friends with eights. And I think part of that is the security of having a mostly open book. And so you're not really dealing with that at all. We also take it right. Like when you do come back to us with your, your list of inconsistencies, we can own it and be like, yeah, well, I was emotional in the moment. Give me a break. (laughs) Just let me get away with it. I've noticed too, like, if I feel like the relationship that I'm in, mostly with friends, is not what I thought it was, that will just send me, it doesn't happen very often. And I'm very much like, okay, I've seen the light. And that is that there is no room you cut for that. Off. Yeah, I've been the one cut off. What has happened with me is sixes they don't just like tiptoe into relationship with me they jump in with their whole being because i feel safe and then they make i am the panel in their head and Mm. i inevitably let them down of course i let them down i don't pretend i'm not gonna let them down and then they cut me off what goes wrong do you think I think it's because I, I I feel like I really value and crave, again, the stability, which isn't yeah. a surprise, but I want those deep connections with people. That's what's fulfilling to me. And most of the time it works out and it's totally fine. I know a lot of people and I feel like I have good deep connections with a, a lot of people and friends. And I really value those friendships. Kevin will have one or two friends and he's fine with that. He does not need to have 82 friends. He actually makes it, he's like, I don't know how many more friends you could possibly have. <laughs> like, you need to, 
stop. Like, who is this person? Why are they here? Why are you going out with them? In a recent situation, a couple of years ago, I was very close with someone. And um, a series of incidents happened, a couple of betrayals, and I just did not know how to navigate it because I felt like the person that I thought I knew either didn't exist, never had existed, and it just shift like my whole world just shifted it was really messy she reached out about a year ago and said do you want to talk and I just no I couldn't and I'm not saying that that will be that way forever if she doesn't seem safe to me like that's just not a safe space so I just don't feel comfortable putting myself in even in in a room or on the phone with somebody that doesn't feel safe gist of it is Julia is that she's unpredictable now so Mm -hmm. you can't get your footing where the friendship starts to evolve because the person's slowly changing Mm -hmm. and they're becoming someone who you you didn't sign up for, you know, like you Mm -hmm. you met a certain way, you connected with that, that was what was safe. And it's not bad inherently, but they're just genuinely changing. Is that where you're like, every half turn they change, I'm going to take a half turn back because they don't feel safe anymore. Does that fit Mm -hmm. as well? Yeah. Yeah. Or if I feel like I'm putting more into the relationship than they are, that feels uncomfortable to me too, because I'm just like, what's going on? I can't keep putting myself out there. I can't keep reaching out. And then it just gets to a certain point where I'm like, well, I'm not sure why I'm putting so much effort. I think really for me, it needs to feel some sort of sense of equality. I was just going to say equal. And I understand that that shifts and moves throughout our lives and our our situations. But I need to feel like what I'm putting in is what I'm getting, essentially, and vice versa. If that's not going to be a thing, then, um, you know, I'm okay with it. I used to be less okay with it. I would try to really try to, like, get back to where we were or mend things. But now I'm just like, it's okay. It's okay to let those relationships go. We have 79 other people waiting for you. Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor.